Welcome, my friends, to the That's Ball Folks podcast. I'm your host, Josh Reynolds. This is episode three, the mailbag, where I answer your guys' questions and go over topics that you guys want to hear about. How's everybody doing? Basketball season is approaching. It's it's close. Uh, feels weird to have all the teams have their media days and things like that. Seeing all the players who've been traded and free agents and stuff in their new jerseys seems a little weird. Whether it's Donovan Mitchell wearing the Cavalier stuff, Rudy Gobert and his bleach tips in Minnesota, you've got dudes like PJ Tucker, Montrez Harrell in Philly, uh, all across the league, man. It it just it's weird, and I could not be more excited about it. It's finally happening, and we are getting close. Uh, I've had a fun little week. Uh, a little bit about myself and what's going on. I am in California this week. Um, was able to go to the Angels baseball game last night. Shout out my guy Martino for hooking that up. And it was awesome. There were maybe 4,000 people there. They played the Oakland A's, and both teams are terrible. But still, live live sports, live baseball. I just, I'm just i so excited. I can't wait to be back in a live, uh, a live basketball game, man. We're here. We're, we're getting close. We've got a, many, many topics to dive into, but before I wanted to, to dive into those and answer some of these questions you guys sent in, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of you, man. Like, truly. I posted something. I was, I was sent this statistic uh, just yesterday, um, breaking down kind of that's ball, folks, and the numbers and everything like that. And I don't love, like, uh, it's not a brag. I think it's just more a shout out to you guys and kind of a humbling, grateful uh, plea here. I, I ranked in the top 1.5% of all podcasts globally, uh, all because of you guys listening. Like that's absolutely insane. Truly, truly from the bottom of my heart, I cannot even begin to thank you enough. The best part, I feel like we're just, we're just slowly taking off, man. This, uh, again, joining SB nation, the guys at Liberty ballers, this is only my third episode with them. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. And the fact that we're already ranking like that just, I don't know, means the world. So sorry to get all cheesy and sentimental on you, but I had to say something because, frankly, I think it's pretty damn cool. So shout out all of you for making that happen. Let's dive, let's dive right into these. We will start with the first question, which might be the best question, truly, and something that needs to be talked about more. It was talked about a little bit on Media Day, but we got to talk about it right now. Kelly from New Jersey asks, what is up with Jimmy Butler's hair? So if you have not seen Jimmy Butler's new look, I will post it everywhere, but you like it's you can't help but laugh. You can't help but laugh. He's got these like dreads going on that just appeared over the summer. Clearly they're like extensions, whatever, but he looks hilarious. He truly looks hilarious. He says he just wears them to troll people, whatever. He posted a, a something on Instagram this summer with them on, and I think everybody was just confused what was going on. Next thing you know, he shows up to media day, and he's got him in. I don't know. I pray that he plays at least one game with them because you know if he plays one game and he doesn't play well, then they're coming out, whatever. But I want to see. <laughs> they're long. They're like long dreads, and I want to see him play in them at least once. But I don't know. I don't know what's up with his hair, but I think it's hilarious. It's a terrible look. He does not look good. I I mean, we're just used to the the Jimmy Butler. Like when you picture Jimmy Butler, you picture Jimmy Butler. You do not picture these giant long braids, long long dreads, but yeah. I 
I can't believe it. I think he genuinely looks hilarious. But I think he, I don't think he knows he looks hilarious. But I think he's leaning into it, which is exactly why he said that uh, that he's trolling people. But anyway, can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts. Actually, there's no. I already know your thoughts. There's nobody on earth who looks at that and thinks that he looks good or looks cool. So maybe besides himself, I don't know. Maybe people in his his corner. <laughs> I have no clue. Bad, bad look. Not great. Next question uh, comes from my my guy Adam in Utah. He asked me my thoughts on the Ben Simmons interview on JJ Reddick's podcast, uh, Old Man and the Three. So this one, I man, it was like a, I don't know. It was teased in a way that everybody was excited to hear it. Really, this is the first time that Ben Simmons has talked about anything. Uh, his time in Philly, all of that. It was like an a it was like an emotional roller coaster. It was. I I went through all the emotions. I was happy. I'll be honest. I was. There were part of me that was happy. I was mad. I was mad as hell, and I was also a little sad. And it kind of just it it went as the podcast went on. I had these different emotions, and I'll explain each one of them. I was happy to hear Ben Simmons a talk. And B, admit his mistakes that he made in Philly and kind of the downfall and and the ending of how things happened in Philly. Now, look, could this have just been a PR stunt? Could this have just been damage control for him? Absolutely. For sure it could have been. He said all the right things. Some some people, I tweeted something after I listened to it, and some of my followers hated the fact that that uh, they felt like JJ didn't ask like hard-hitting questions and didn't ask the questions they want to hear. I disagree. I thought it was a really good interview, and it made me happy to actually hear from Ben. Again, like, just being realistic and taking my Sixers hat off here, like, Ben was one of my favorite players. I went to battle for that dude. So, to hear him talk was great. To hear him admit how things went down, talk about the the baseline spin move where he should have dunked it over Trey, what was going through his head, like, all of that. I was really happy to hear that. Now, it made me really mad because it's like, oh, now you're willing to talk? Like, going into this net season, all of a sudden you're you're just willing to, to talk about everything? When you basically ghosted not just Philly, but everybody for a whole year, a whole season. That made me really mad. It also made me mad because... I, I guess mad mad maybe isn't the, the way to describe how I felt about this, but if if Ben says like even 10% of those things that he did on the podcast right after the Hawks series, who knows how that situation ends up playing out. It for sure plays out differently. Now, we know that Embiid, we know that Simmons, they didn't get along. They never did. It was bound to happen at some point. They butted heads. Like We, we knew that that was going on. In Philly, it was like we knew it was going on. They did a good job at kind of keeping it out of everything. But all of us deep down knew that, hey, they don't get along and like something's going to happen. Now, Ben's in the perfect situation. I've, I've said this on multiple podcasts. He literally could not be in a better situation for him. Surrounded by Kevin Durant and Kyrie, two of the best scorers, best ball handlers, best basketball players on the planet, as well as shooters with Joe Harris Seth Curry, and the other pieces that Brooklyn's put together this offseason. Now, the flip side, Philly, we have James Harden. So it's like, okay, I don't know. It, it, it worked out clearly. I think it worked out for both teams, both sides. That's great. But 
it also made me sad just like reflecting on his time in Philly, man. There were some great times. There's some really good, like fun memories, especially like for me when he first got drafted, his very first like game, if you want to call it that, was Summer League out in Utah. I went, me and my brother had the very first Ben Simmons Sixers jerseys. We met him there, got pictures with him, like awesome dude. And that that's again, like how you become fans of a guy. Then right after Salt Lake, we went to Vegas. Uh, me and my brother, some boys, we all went down there, went to every single game that he played down there. I don't know. It just was, it, it was fun to start from the very beginning and follow him along. And I don't know, that's enough Ben Simmons talk, but it did. It made me sad kind of reflecting about uh, his time with the Sixers. So I don't know, man. I, I thought it was a really good interview. I thought that JJ did an awesome job. Um, by the way, shout out JJ and congratulations to him. Just uh, a day or two ago, he announced that he has re-signed or extended his contract with the SPN, which is a huge win for all basketball fans because that dude actually knows what he's talking about. And I thoroughly enjoy listening to him call games. So shout out JJ. Awesome basketball fans everywhere should be nothing but stoked about it. But, but yeah, I, I, I thought he did a great job. I obviously, I love his podcast, the old man and the three him and Tommy do a great job. I love the guests they bring on. There's a new episode with DeMar DeRozan coming out tomorrow. Like I will always listen, but especially this episode, like big fan props to them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just good to hear Ben talk, as weird as that sounds. Next question. Uh, I had a couple of different people ask me this. Craig from Idaho and my guy Zach Nosa from Utah asked me if, A, the Sixers, if I think the Sixers can actually compete for a title this year, and B, is James Harden really the answer to the Sixers uh, that the Sixers need to win it? So I'll start with the first one. Do I actually think the Sixers can compete for a title this year? Absolutely, 100% yes. Do I think that James Harden is the answer that the Sixers need to win it all? Absolutely, 100% yes. I think for the Sixers to make an actual title run, it's going to come down to just three things. First one being James Harden. Second one being Joel Embiid and his health. Third one being Doc Rivers. We'll start with James Harden. We saw... It's no surprise, everybody's talked about this, but what we saw in Philly and James Harden, what we saw from him, was just a little shell of himself. Whether he was out of shape, whether he was coming off an injury, whether he just wasn't being aggressive, maybe that's because he was on a new team, didn't know where he fit. Like, we saw him get aggressive in one playoff game, and it was awesome. Like, there are many different factors into it. He didn't have a summer with his teammates. He didn't have a camp, like, with his team and his new teammates. That will only help. That's obviously not going to hurt things. I firmly believe that we are going to see a different James Harden this season. Look, he's older. We know that. Like that's it, Nobody can beat father time. And he's getting older. I, however, truly believe that he, having a full camp, a full summer with his team, as well as time to work on his body, rehab any injuries, like, just get back to the James Harden that we know. I expect to see that. And honestly, I think all of Philly expects to see that. And that is what it's going to come down to. If we see even a glimpse of the old James Harden, that is going to be the key. Now, number two, obviously Embiid. We know what Embiid's going to do, right? Embiid is the man. He somehow is just better and better every single year. Last year, I was most impressed with how he was able to handle double teams. 
much more patient, saw everything, was sped up way, way less. Um, I feel like even two seasons ago when teams threw double teams at him, he just kind of would panic and had had too many dumb turnovers. I was very impressed last year with his patience, turning, squaring up, facing the hoop, being able to analyze everything, see the double team, make the right pass to Matisse down low. I was blown away with that improvement that he made. He's going to continue to do that. Like, There's no doubt in my mind that he will only continue to improve and get better. We know what we're going to see with Embiid. The name of the game is going to be health. Can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, absolutely. Like, Why, why wouldn't this team be able to make a title run? Oh, well, I'll tell you why. The third one being Doc Rivers. This has been talked about a lot as well. Sixers fans are very torn on Doc. I think actually probably we all agree on the same thing. Like we've seen enough that it's like, okay, like clearly this is the best and deepest roster that Doc Rivers has had since he's been in Philly. This is the deepest roster in Philly in a long, long time. So this is this is what I predict we're gonna see. Obviously, during the regular season, we're gonna see a bunch of different lineups. Again, the team is so deep, there's so much depth that you have to find what works, right? So Doc's going to do that. Dudes are going to get playing time. There, If you look up and down on the entire Sixers roster, everybody is capable of playing, and everybody basically, besides like Jaden Springer and Charles Bassey, has played meaningful minutes, has actually got NBA run. So it is going to be getting those guys run, seeing who plays well together, seeing what matchups work, everything like that, and I think that we're going to see a bunch of that uh in the regular season. Yes, of course it's going to be frustrating. Of course we're all going to tweet out stuff watching Sixers games about how Doc Rivers plays these guys too much, yada, yada, yada. That's what's going to happen. But we just got to be patient. Through the regular season, we're going to find something that works. I know it. And then find a legitimate playoff rotation. Everybody knows once the playoffs roll around, you shorten the bench and you actually play the core guys. The Sixers are going to start a lineup of Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Tobias Harris, uh, P.J. Tucker, and Joel Embiid. Fully, 100%, that will be the starting five. If it isn't, I will Venmo everybody who listens to this 100 bucks. Like That that will be the starting five. Injuries of, of bearing, of course. So now it's just, okay, There's again, there's so much depth. Where do those minutes go? And that's going to be the fascinating part. DeAnthony Melton is going to be, I've been very outspoken about this, that's the most underrated pickup of the offseason. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be amazing. I am huge on the Montrezl Harrell signing. I think he's also going to be awesome. I think he's going to be a Philly fan favorite. He will be. Undersized big, who just plays hard, super aggressive, wears his emotions on his sleeve. Like That's Philadelphia. He's going to absolutely thrive here. Daniel House, where is he going to fit in? Of course, he's going to play, but how much is he going to play? Whose minutes is he taking away from? Shake, obviously. Matisse. Like, Niang. I'm fascinated to see it because we are really deep. So, just everybody be patient. I truly think this is the Sixers year. And it, it kind of scares me, actually, because with everybody getting older, P.J. Tucker, obviously, James Harden. Like, the window is the next three years. I would argue the window is the next two years. So if we don't make like a conference final run this year, I think it's a, dis- a total disappointment as far as the season goes. But I expect the Sixers to do great things. And that's just not me being a homer Sixers fan. I genuinely, just from a basketball perspective, this roster 
is built to make a run. I think they are going to be unbelievable defensively. And Embiid came out and said it like, my goal is for us to be the best defensive team in the entire league. I think that's exactly what we'll see. So I can't wait to see it. But there you go, Craig and Zach. I, I, I hope that answers both your questions. 100% yes to both of those. The next question, I got this from a bunch of different people, and it is because it all kind of played out right before my episode last week came out. But to everybody who asked, my thoughts on the Phoenix Suns and Sarver situation, how it's played out, everything like that. So we'll start We'll start from here. Everybody knows, if you've listened to the podcast, you know how I feel, how genuinely bummed out and disappointed I was in the NBA and Adam Silver with how they handled it right out of the gate. I, it was awful. First of all, the investigation took forever. That ESPN report came out. It feels like a lifetime ago, but that came out so long ago. I understand doing the investigation and being thorough and interviewing everybody. But after you interview that many people and they all say the same thing, like, what else do you need to see? How like, I I just don't understand that. And then for Silver to just almost seems like it was just a slap on the wrist. I don't know. And this this is what bugs me the most and it's like hilarious and infuriating all rolled into one this dude's punishment is going to be to sell the team his punishment for being a terrible human being is to sell the teams that he owns to make a ton of money billions of dollars like what a hilarious punishment now somebody like this dude clearly their egos are just so giant that it feels good to know that their ego is going to take a big hit having to sell the team and going through all this public humiliation and stuff. That that feels good. <laughs> Maybe that sounds weird, but that feels good to me knowing that, hey, this dude's ego is going to take a giant hit. That's great. But this whole situation, everything about it, from him just being a scumbag, everything he did, to Adam Silver handling it and the NBA handling it the way that they did, like I am not shocked that he's decided to sell the teams. Of course not. But it's just such a bummer, man. This whole situation sucks. Sucks how it played out. And the only thing that makes me happy, like I said, is Ego taking a hit. And I'm really glad that he'll have nothing to do with the teams again. So that's a little win. Silver lining, I guess, right? Tough that he'll make billions of dollars, but he won't have anything to do with any NBA franchise again. So that's a big win. And now a quick word from our sponsors. All right, my next question I also got from a ton of different people, uh, so sorry for not naming names, but this is another one. So they, a lot of people asked about the Boston and Udoka scandal and as well as the Doc Rivers Twitter likes uh, scandal, if you want to call it that as well. So we'll start with Boston. Now, this, this Udoka situation is genuinely crazy. So it all starts with Woj tweeting the most vague tweet ever, saying something about Boston is going to discipline their coach, possibly suspend him for a year. That's all he says. That's it. So everyone's like, oh, like, damn, what happened? Shams follows it up with saying, hey, this is what happened. He was in a consensual relationship with another Boston employee. Everything's fine. Everyone is so confused at this point. There's zero details that have come out since then. There's like little rumors and videos and snippets and stuff of reporters and former NBA players saying stuff here and there. But nobody knows what has happened, really. And that sucks. The Celtics come out, suspend him for a year, so you know that something terrible's happened. 
And from everything that we're hearing and the writing on the wall, it is terrible. Now, Stephen A. Smith and a couple of these other dudes get on and they're just crushing the Sixers and saying all this, or uh, it's, excuse me, the Celtics, saying all these crazy things about it, his business is his business, yada, yada, yada. And look, I, it, when this first broke, I kind of understood that, but nobody knew the details. You've got dudes like Matt Barnes who, who posts this video just saying like, yo, what happens in his personal life is his business. Shame on the Celtics for jumping in on that, blah, blah, blah. Next day, he deletes it and posts another video just saying like, hey, I'm sorry. I misspoke. I didn't know details until just barely. I posted that. I got a phone call and to somebody close to the situation. They explained what's going on to me. And it's I'm not at liberty to say, but I deleted my first video because this is nuts. And... It is. It has to be nuts, or else Boston wouldn't have, have responded this way. I will be shocked. I think he has coached his last game in the NBA. What a what a weird and awful situation, man. That is similar to what's going on in Phoenix. Like this is nuts, truly nuts. If you're a Boston fan, you. I, I know Marcus Smart said something. He's like, look, like this isn't a huge deal. Blah blah blah. We're still gonna play basketball. Blah blah blah. I get it. But this is a huge deal, and things are bigger than basketball, and it sounds like something much bigger than basketball took place, and that sucks. So if I'm a Celtics fan, of course I'm bummed out. You guys just went to the NBA Finals. He's your coach that led you there. Now you lose him. You've got all this stuff going on surrounding the team. That's all anybody's going to talk about. Every time you play, the commentators will always reference this and bring it up. Like It is going to be a huge cloud that follows this team around all season. And that sucks. And until we find out more details, like, I just, I don't know. You can't even really speak on it because we don't know what happened. Now, something I can speak on because I do know details is this Doc Rivers Twitter-like situation. So, again, everybody who's listening to this, I'm sure, is aware. The 76ers basketball coach Doc Rivers, his Twitter account, uh, all of a sudden, I don't even know how somebody figures this out. Someone, like, stalking his Twitter account and looking at the tweets he likes at like 11 at night because that's what that's basically what happened i don't know who the first person was to tweet it and say like yo doc rivers check your like check doc rivers twitter likes whatever um a bunch of terrible videos and a bunch of pornography like awful stuff so of course people are just like yo doc doc isn't on his burner account he's liking all these crazy things blah 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 i tweeted out something that just said like you've got to be kidding all this is nuts like of course this happens to the Sixers, right? I tweeted and said, this is just another crazy chapter in what's going to be the most insane 30 for 30 documentary of all time when they do this on the Sixers because just the craziest things happen to the, the franchise. And after I tweeted it, I had a team source immediately reach out to me and say, hey, just a heads up, you can imagine what I went through with Burnergate. It was an absolute nightmare. For those of you who don't know what Burnergate is, uh, Brian Colangelo, the... Uh, GM of the Sixers, him, there was this like burner accounts that were talking bad about the Sixers and about players. And it was awful. And he ended up losing his job because of it. Um, which is crazy anyway. So the team source just tells me, Hey, I've had to go through this. It was nuts. This is also happening. The Twitter account was hacked. So I, I, I know, I know this person personally, he is a, a confirmed team source. Let me know. Hey, this is the, the account was hacked. This person was up all night trying to figure it out, getting it all fixed. It just is, uh, of course, that happens to the Sixers. Like, there's no doubt in my mind it was hacked. I firmly believe that. 
Um, I know there's people out there who love like conspiracies or whatever. And a bunch of people on Sixers Twitter also think that it's like, yeah, right. You're just doing damage control. No, like I firmly 100% believe it was hacked. It just is hilarious that that happens to the Sixers head coach and the Sixers with everything that's going on, man. And that they've, they've already had to go through. It is just nuts. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, so there's my thoughts on those two things. So you guys know I'm always pumped about the Sixers, but here's a shout out for something else I'm super hyped about. Griffles Plasma. Yep, this is something that needs to be talked about. A lot of people depend on plasma donations. Patients, hospitals, and even people like me, broke college students. Okay, broke is a strong word, but back in the day, donating plasma legitimately helped me stretch my budget, and Griffles Plasma is a great go-to for extra funds. Why am I talking about plasma? Because it is one of the least known topics out there, but it is an important one. Why did the Sixers give DeAndre Jordan so many minutes last season? Okay, that one's still a mystery, but plasma makes medicines. A lot of people depend on these medicines. Giving plasma shows your good side. You can find a center near you at grifflesplasma.com. When you donate, tell them Josh sent you. Are you sick of spending time caring for your lawn? Have you spent too much time mowing it or even just keeping it alive? You tired of wasting resources and money watering it? If you are like me, the answer is yes to all of those. You should consider artificial grass. Beehive Turf out of northern Utah will transform your yard into looking beautiful all year round. Check out Beehive Turf on Instagram. Give them a call today for a free quote. Beehive Turf, take the sting out of caring for your lawn. Next question, I'm actually really excited to talk about this. Uh, my buddy Jordan in Dallas asked me, who do I think will have a better year, Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland or Rudy Gobert in Minnesota? So being in Utah and living in Utah, having a ton of jazz uh, fans who are friends, they are kind of bitter because all the media day stuff that Donovan Mitchell is saying, is it's almost like little jabs at them. He said something uh, the other day about, I know I'm a good defender. I haven't proven that, but now I'm going to. It's like, well, all, all my jazz friends are like, what? Why didn't you do that earlier while you were here? I get all that. So being in Utah, I have a unique perspective because jazz fans really, really, really turned on Donovan Mitchell. The majority of them did not want Donovan around anymore, and the majority of them love Rudy Gobert. They might be the only people who love Rudy Gobert. And so... I, I, it's it's fascinating to see the dynamic and how things shifted. Now, if you look at this and it's like, okay, who's going to be a better player? Who's going to have a better year? Donovan is surrounded by Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Kevin Love, Karis LeVert, Ricky Rubio. Like, he's got some players, right? Then you look at who Rudy Gobert has. He's surrounded by D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Kyle Anderson, underrated pickup by them, by the way. Uh, leaving Minnesota or leaving Memphis to join Minnesota. I think the easiest plug and play option is Donovan. He's a scorer. He'll always be able to score no matter what. Yes, of course, it's going to be interesting to see how him and Garland share the floor together. What does that look like with the touches? What does that look like with their dynamic playing together? We'll find out. But that is my just that's the easiest plug and play. The most interesting option is going to be the fit between Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Cat, obviously, is not your typical big. He's not a rim protector. 
He actually doesn't play a lick of defense at all. He's by the way, he's going to set a career high for three point attempts this year. <laughs> Not I would bet my life on that. Um, but that allows Rudy to do what he does best, right? He's gonna protect the paint. He's gonna have zero plays offensively that are run for him. He's gonna get rebounds, gonna get putbacks and lobs. That's what he does. And between Anthony Edwards, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and Cat, like they have very, very good young offensive weapons. And none of them really play defense at all. Carl, uh, excuse me, Kyle Anderson is a good defender. Slow mo. He's a good defender. He's long. I love them in Memphis. I think actually Memphis is going to really miss him a lot. Um, but yeah, by the way, Memphis losing both DeAnthony Melton to the Sixers and Kyle Anderson to Minnesota. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt their bench a lot. However, Having Rudy with that Minnesota team like that, he's your defensive anchor. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. He will only help them, but the fit with him and Cat on the floor at the same time is going to be fascinating. I'm very, very interested to see that. So if I had to pick right now, I'm going to say Donovan Mitchell is going to have the better season. I think that Cleveland is going to be really fun, really entertaining to watch. That's not saying Minnesota isn't either. But just Donovan Mitchell's style of play, obviously, I I mean, to be honest, I sometimes would rather watch paint dry than watch Rudy Gobert play basketball, at least offensively. Defensively is fun. That's great. But I, I if I had to pick right now, I think Donovan Mitchell will have the better season uh, with his setup in Cleveland. So there you go. So my next question and... Uh, we'll end uh, on the following question, which I can't wait to talk about. But the next question was asked to me by Chris uh, in Philly. He wanted to know right now my preseason predictions for, which is hilarious because season hasn't even, even started yet, but he wants to know my predictions for the playoff seating. What's going to happen? What's going to be my standing, uh, my predictions for the standings? And it is, that's a great question. And I actually had a really hard time sitting down and actually putting this together. So we're going to start. Now, I'm not going to give you like these solidified one through eight, um, which I even could go 10 now with the plan, but I'm not going to. But I'm going to list about nine to 10 teams in each conference. So Eastern Conference, we'll start here. I have Philly and Milwaukee 1A and 1B. And again, that's not just me being a, a Sixers homer. I genuinely think with that, I've said it earlier, but with the Sixers' depth, I think this is their year. They're going to make a big push. I think they're going to come out of the gate regular season really, really hot. I also, we know exactly what we get in Milwaukee. Like, they're great. They're going to be great. They're a good team. When everybody's healthy, with I mean, who knows what happens with them in the playoffs last year if Chris Middleton is healthy. So... I have Philly and Milwaukee 1A and 1B. On the next little tier down, I have the Nets. I have the Celtics. Those are my only two other teams that are right there on that next tier. And it feels kind of funny putting the Nets there, but again, the Nets are going to be good. I mean, look, Kyrie Irving could just vanish. He could just retire. Peace out. Kevin Durant could be like, yo, I'm not playing and trade me. Like things could. Ben Simmons, who knows what could happen with Ben Simmons? Things can happen, but their team constructed right now, I think they are for sure up in that upper tier. And I've got them just on that tier right below Philly and Milwaukee. And the Celtics, again, they're going to have that cloud following them around all season. Who knows how that's going to affect them. 
but they just went to the NBA Finals. They only got better in the offseason, adding Brogdon. Sucks that Gallinari's hurt, but they only got better. So I'm fascinated to see what happens there, but they're right there on that next tier. And the only reason I have them down is because of everything that's going to kind of follow them uh, into the season. So we drop down a little bit. This is where it gets interesting. I have the Bulls and the Cavs. Now, the Bulls were awesome at the reg- in the regular season up until they started having injuries last year. They don't scare me one bit. I don't think that they're actual a competitor. Who knows what's happening with Lonzo Ball's knee? He keeps coming out and saying stuff of, like, I still am in pain. Doctors don't know what's happening. That sucks because they're not doing anything without him. And I'm let's be real. Even if they had him and were fully healthy, they're not going to do anything anyway. They just they're not going to. And that and that's not a jab. Like I love Demar Derozan. I don't know how anybody could hate Demar Derozan. I like their team. Zach Levine, same thing. I don't know how anybody could dislike the guy. I just don't think that they're for real. I don't think that they have what it takes to make actual run. I would love it if they prove me wrong. That'd be great. But just being real. The Cavs are the wild card here because, again, you just added Donovan Mitchell. Like, we know what he's capable of. We saw last year what Darius Garland can do. We know what Evan Mobley can do. We know that Jared Allen is a stud down low with the coolest fro in the entire NBA. Uh, Shout out maybe Kobe White in Chicago. But they are going to be a fun team to watch, and they're kind of a question mark. So I put them right there on that tier with Chicago. And then just the the lowest tier of who I think can make the playoffs. I'm going to get crushed for this, but Toronto and Atlanta. Atlanta is, again, they're another question mark. They added DeJounte Murray, who I like. Well, I liked before this offseason. Now he's kind of a, a total weasel. But I just have Atlanta and Toronto right there. Toronto, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they'll do exactly what they did last year. They'll be a first round. Uh, they'll give somebody a really tough first round matchup, and they'll get knocked out. That's that's my prediction. So that's my Eastern Conference layout. Let's jump to the West. My one A one B is the Memphis Grizzlies. I mentioned it earlier. Yes, a lack of uh, they lost a couple of key dudes on their bench. I I even want to say I know when Jaw was out, Melton started for him, but. I want to say Kyle Anderson started a bunch of games for him too. So that's going to hurt, but I just love the direction that they're headed in. They just knocked their draft out of the park. I think they are up in that upper echelon in the West. And, of course, the Warriors. How, how could they not be right there? 1A, 1B. Let's drop down. Next tier, I've got the Suns and the Nuggets. And the Clippers. I'm adding 1A, 1B, 1C. The Clippers just have a giant question mark. I didn't really know where to put them because on paper, <clears throat> excuse me, on paper they should be in the, the highest tier, like of course. But nobody knows what that's going to look like because their guys can't stay healthy. I love Paul George. I love him. His game is nasty. He's one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Just a pure hooper. But the dude can't stay healthy. Same with Kawhi. So, again, if they do stay healthy, then great. They're in that upper tier. But I only put them down because they've got a ton of health issues. John Wall, I think, is going to be an absolutely ridiculous pickup for them. Again, if he can stay healthy. Name of the game. So, I've got them in that lower tier. The Suns, again, just what a weird 
what a weird kind of fallout last year with how Dallas knocked them out and and then this offseason, how they handled everything with Aiton. And Aiton on media day just seems like the most depressed human ever. Does not want to be in Phoenix. They also have a giant cloud around them just because of their owner and how everything went down that way and is currently going down. So I've got them bumped down a little bit too. Ever since they made the finals run, I just I, I said it. That was their chance. And I don't think they'll ever get back there. And the Nuggets. Look, you all know how I think about Jokic. You all know that I love to tease Nuggets fans with all their analytics and stuff like that. They're good, man. Jokic is nasty. I fully expect Jamal Murray to come back and be healthy. I think Michael uh, Porter Jr. is going to do the same thing. And if they, again, similar to the Clippers, this is why I put them in the same tier, in the same bucket, if they stay healthy, they will be good. So I've got them just in that second tier. Now let's drop down one more tier. And I've got the Mavs and... Actually, I'm just going to – this is my only other tier in the West. I've got the Mavs, the T-Wolves, the Pelicans, the Lakers, not in any specific order. I, that's just the tier I've got them in. I am not sold. I The Lakers will not be healthy. They're old as hell. Russell Westbrook, who – like what in the world's going on with that whole situation? I'm shocked, but it appears as though Beverly and Westbrook are cool ever since the trade. Anthony Davis has never had a healthy season in his career, so why would he start now? And LeBron's going to do what LeBron does. He's amazing and the best basketball player, and I just he's going to do what he does. But the Lakers are not going to be healthy. They aren't. We know that going in, so that's why I've got them on this low tier. The Pelicans are fascinating because if Zion plays, who knows what their ceiling could be? Who knows? Last year, they were so much fun to watch, even without without Zion. So they're going to be fun to watch. The Wolves, again, just adding Rudy. Who knows? I, I don't feel good enough to bump them up, but I still think they'll be in playoff contention just on that lower tier. And the Mavs. I teetered with the Mavs on where to put them. Just because Luka, losing Jalen Brunson, I don't think is going to hurt them that much. Yes, the dude had a great po- uh, he had a great postseason. He played amazing in the playoffs. But I, I don't think that will hurt them too much. But I'm very curious to see who steps up. Adding Christian Wood, great move. I think, uh, obviously, Christian Wood's going to have a career year playing alongside Luka. I fully expect Luka to be in contention for the MVP. And again, they're just a question mark. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Was last year kind of just like a, a flash in the pan? Like I, I, I would love to see some consistency. And if Luca just continues to do what Luca does, then of course this team's going to be right there. So there's my breakdown. I know I didn't give you a one through eight seeding or anything like that, but that is my prediction as far as just laying them out in tiers like that. So hopefully that answered your question, Chris. Okay. We are ending with this, and this is my favorite question. So this is from my buddy Niche out here in Utah. We have referenced, when I have my brother Jer on uh, for the brotherly love and hate segment, which we will do again here soon, he talks about his buddy Niche, who he works with, who has all of these like crazy predictions. The biggest one that we've talked about being he thinks if we play, if he plays around from the red tees of golf, that he would shoot even par. And by the way, we are going to be doing this, and I will report next week on the the podcast that's happening. So just a heads up. 
Um, Nish asked me if he thinks I could score, or if I think I could score at least four points coming off the bench as a sixth man in an NBA game. Now, this is realistically what I think would happen. I'm 5'9", generous 5'9". I weigh like 155-ish, 160. I'm tiny. I'm not particularly fast. Maybe at one point when I played, I was kind of fast. I can still shoot it. But look, I have no chance. This is what I think would realistically happen if I came off the bench. I think that I would not. they wouldn't give me any respect. I think I would be left open. My guy would double somebody, and I would get one good look at a three. Maybe if, if I airballed it or hit the side of the backboard because my adrenaline's gone crazy, maybe I would get a couple looks at three. But that's what would happen. Also, the game is so unbelievably fast, and this, the floor is spaced so incredibly well that even if some, my guy did double off of me, and they kicked it to me in the corner. By the time I could get my shot off, I guarantee you another defender would already be there. So, I, I I mean, look, would I like to say that I could score four points? Of course I would like to say that. Realistically, I think I would have one open-ish, open-ish look. And I, if I could hit a three, then of course that gives me three of the four points. And I could hopefully, hopefully draw a foul or do something. But, I mean, come on. You do one good thing or your defender just decides, hey, I'm going to play defense on you. No, of course not. I wouldn't score one point. I would turn it over every single time on the floor. Like, it's not even close. This is this is what, this is a kind of a fun thing to talk about and to think about. I was talking about it with my father-in-law actually the other day. I have played against some unbelievable basketball players, like in, a, in an actual competitive setting. And... To think that, okay, this dude is clearly the best one in the gym. He is not, it's not even a question. He is hands down the best one here. This dude played in college, but never really played. And I'm just going off the top of my head because everybody who plays pickup has one guy that they're like, okay, yeah, you're clearly the best one in the gym. That person who's the best one in the gym, maybe played in college, never did anything after that. The players who do play in college and do something after that, they either go and play overseas or if they're really lucky, they'll play in the G League. And to think that the G League MVPs cannot even get NBA minutes. You take the 10 best G League players, and they're not even good enough to like get meaningful minutes in the NBA. Like That's insane to think about. So if I, 5'9", 160, little fella, Josh Reynolds gets into a game, no, I'm not scoring four points. I'm not. Like, it's just insane to think about the talent gap and the talent level. They're NBA players. Like, no, there's no shot. Who would be guarding me? Like, a 6'4 six, a six, guard? I'm 5'9"? Come on. <laughs> it's, a fun, it's a fun thought. And honestly, knowing Nish, maybe you think that you could do that. I don't know. I've played ball with you before. You're a good ball player. But I, I need to ask you now if you think that you could do that. But anyway, that's a fun question. I love the hypotheticals. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Do you think it's possible? Not for me, but do you think that you could score four points? And being the sixth man, like, you're getting a lot of minutes. So that's a lot of turnovers that, you're, that you are causing. 
you're not going to have a good plus minus. <laughs> you are not. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts if you think that you could do that because that's that's a really fun question. So that's all I got. That is the episode. I uh, wanted to go through this, just answer some questions. It's fun to do these every once in a while. Um, but we will be back next week with a incredible guest. I know I've been teasing this for a bit. I've got some amazing Philly guests lined up, but also just got some just straight up bat. If you are a fan of basketball, you will love these guests coming up the next couple weeks. So we will be back next week with a new episode on Thursday. If anything crazy happens, please uh, just follow me on Twitter. I'm always tweeting about everything. So it's at Josh Reynolds 24. If you would be so kind, go ahead and feel free to uh, to give me a rating. Subscribe to this this podcast, all the Liberty Ballers podcasts. Um, I, I know I've said it before, but what an honor it is to be a part of this team with and work with such amazing people. Like there's actual genuine talent here, and it's pretty wild that I am a part of that family. So go ahead, subscribe, like, and leave a review. Uh, would love to hear from you. Would love to hear what we can improve on. Would love to hear all of it. Just appreciate you guys. Appreciate your support. And like I say every week, I just genuinely love all of you. Like for real. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we're going to be doing some really cool stuff too. Uh, uh, giveaways. Like I've got a giant. And when I say giant, I mean giant Utah Jazz giveaway coming up. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be amazing. And I'm really excited for you guys to see it. So I hope you all have a great week. Uh, like I say every week, just just love each other. Be nice. Uh, pray for our friends in Florida, too. That hurricane is no joke. Hope everybody, if I've got any listeners down there, man, I hope that you guys are staying safe. But uh, let's go birds this weekend. I'm feeling another Britain Cuffy. <laughs> that, okay, we got to talk about this real fast. Poor dude took an absolute beating. Beating. But Philly got to see what Utah fans have, have known for forever. Like, He's the most resilient, hard-nosed dude, and even though he's tiny, like, that dude takes an absolute beating and pops right back up. So everybody was, like, just cr- kind of laughing about it on Twitter or whatever. Even the commentators called him, like, crash test dummy, covey, whatever. The dude takes hits. That's what he does. And it's literally only a matter of time before he busts off a big return. I pray that it happens this weekend against Jacksonville, who, by the way, are a decent little squad. And it'll be fun to have Doug Peterson back in Philly. So go Birds. Go Covey. Looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, we'll end with that. Love you all. Hope you have a great week. And uh, that's ball, folks. <laughs>